Ends, what chapter are we in? Three. Chapter 3, sweet. Good time to turn your Bibles with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Corinthians chapter 3. All right, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for gathering us together to be with you this morning. What a blessing, what a privilege, what an honor. What an amazing thing to consider this morning, you being with us. And you promised to be with us to be with us, where two or three or more gather in your name. And so we just settle our hearts now before you. We trust that the songs and singing have blessed your heart, that you've been honored this morning. And as we've cried out our prayers to you, we want to know you more. And so as we open our hearts to you, as we open your word, would you speak to us and minister to us? You know exactly what each one of us needs to hear this morning. And so we have come desiring to hear from you for a fresh work of your spirit as well. And so have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts. We thank you for the great things you're going to do for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Get this clock started. All right, so... Um, remember kind of the context of where we're at in this letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a church that Paul planted, he pastored, and now he's been gone for a while, and there are a whole bunch of problems in the church at Corinth. And Paul, in the beginning chapters, he is trying to help the church get along. He's trying to to help the believers uh, get connected back together again because there was division in the church. There was fighting in the church, There was, uh, and really over petty issues as we've gone through this. In fact, Paul reminded them the things that they were doing um, was an indication of their spiritual immaturity. And so Paul is, of course, as a, as a good pastor, as a good father, is sharing the truth in love with them. And uh, I think it's important to be reminded this morning that um, it is not division or schisms um, or petty little fighting that should mark our lives as Christians. But Jesus said he authorized the world to look into our lives, to check out our fruit, and he said, by this, the whole world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. That, 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 that would be the mark of our connectedness to Jesus, that we are his followers, that there is a love for one another. In fact, the Apostle uh, John picked up on it later on. The Apostle John makes love for your fellow Christian um, one of the tests of true faith. In fact, he said, let me read it real quick. In 1 John, uh, I think it's chapter 5, isn't it? 1 John 5, verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. John said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God 
and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love, the Bible says. And so that's one of the things that was, um, there was an absence of within the church at Corinth. They were not loving one another. And our love as Christians should be, for, our love as Christians should be deepening and deepening for one another as we grow in grace, not becoming more shallow. Are you with me this morning? Are you, with, you guys with me this morning? It should be growing more and more deep as we're growing in grace. And so Paul's trying to help them in this. We left off in verse 4, verse 5. I'm going to go back to verse 1. We'll get a running start this morning. God's Word says in verse 1 of chapter 3, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, and here's why, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not and so notice each group within the church had their own mascot, their own favorite pastor, right? My pastor can beat up your pastor or whatever they're arguing about, just dumb stuff. Our pastor is better than your pa- Our group is better than your group. And Paul says when that's the type of behavior that's going on, when you become exclusive with your own little group, he says it's a mark of carnality. When there's envy and strife and all these things going on. And Paul sets them straight. He wants them to see clearly here. Look at the next verse. He says, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And so what does Paul say? We are simply ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ through whom you came to know him, through whom you came to know Jesus Christ and your faith became deeper and deeper. And and let's think about this for a minute. When you hear the word minister, what do you think? Do you think someone that has a bunch of letters attached to his name, Dr. So-and-so or, or, you know, blah, 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 PhD, they have letters and a title, Or perhaps sometimes you think, you know, someone that's super proficient, studied, they've gone through the paces to acquire the necessary credentials um, to be involved in in ministry and so forth. Listen, this is so super important this morning. The word minister is diakonia in the Greek, in which we get deacon. The word means servant, simply servant. It actually means literally to kick up dust. To kick up, you guys ever seen someone that kicks up dust? Maybe you drive out of the parking lot. Some of you guys kick up some dust. When you pull out of here, I see some dust kicked up. But that's what the word means, to kick up dust. And so what is Paul's not like, you know what, we're ministers and you need to treat us accordingly, man. He's saying, no, we are simply servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just make a note of this. Paul and Apollos were faithful servants, faithful ministers to do what Jesus called them to do. The people came to know Jesus Christ to grow in their walk 
um, with the Lord through these faithful servants. And listen, this morning we are all called to be ministers, correct? We are all called to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all called to kick up dust for Jesus. We're all called to be about his business. And so we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important that we have a proper view, that we are his servants. The problem is, is when we start to think we're something that we're not, something super special, and we set ourselves up for a wipeout. We are simply his servants. Or we elevate a servant to a place where they don't belong to be in our eyes. And it's easy to do that, isn't it? To elevate the, the servant, to elevate the, the minister. And so the person that's important to be elevated is Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you with me this morning? He's the one to be elevated. It's him. And Paul's making that point. We are simply servants, simply ministers. And notice that three times we see in these verses, it's the Lord who gives. The Lord gives ministers. The Lord provides servants. In other words, Paul is saying it was the Lord who brought us to you to serve you. Listen, a servant lives to make other people's lives better. That's a definition of a servant. Paul came to make their lives better, to grow with Jesus, to walk with Jesus. In fact, he says later that we came not to lord it over your faith, but to be helpers of your joy. We want to see you experience joy in your life as you walk with the Lord. And notice what else he says here. In this verse, just this little phrase I find interesting. It says, uh, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed. God gives, God brings an assortment of people into our lives to help us to believe and, listen, and to greater belief also. I don't know about you, can you think back of some people that God has used in your life? to help you to come to trust in Jesus and to grow in a greater trust, a greater belief of the Lord. Anybody here this morning? When I first got saved playing professional baseball, there was a dude involved in a baseball ministry. His name was Don Gordon. I am eternally grateful for this dude. He would, it was like he traveled everywhere we went. He would, he would disciple me, get, get into the Word of God when we weren't playing, when we were before the games, after the games, we would get into the Word of God. I am eternally grateful for him, a guy that helped me grow in my faith. My pastor faithfully taught the word of God, ministered the word of God to me and so many others. I'm eternally grateful for him. I grew in my faith and grew in, in, a, in a greater trust in the Lord. I'm, faith, I'm thankful for Pastor Chuck, who started Calvary Chapel, and so many other Calvary pastors and other pastors of different denominations that have faithfully served sharing the word of God, sharing the truth and love. Can you guys think of anybody you've been affected by or impacted by? That's what Paul is saying. We simply came to serve you, and it was the Lord who did the work. It's the Lord. Notice in the next verse, it's the Lord who gives the increase. Check it out. Paul reminds them of his role, my role, I planted. I simply planted, and Apollos' role was what? To water, we are servants... In other words, he's saying we are servants and each one of us has a role to play. And our roles in the body of Christ are absolutely vital, you guys. I mean, think about plant. Anybody here do gardening? One person? Okay. Me too. <laughs> Few of us, maybe you do gardening, maybe you do, maybe you do farming or plants. How, how long will they last without water? Cultivation. That stuff doesn't last very long. <laughs> Right? 
There needs to be watering. There needs to be careful cultivation. There needs to be, there needs to be love and tenderness, right, in taking care of those things. Absolutely vital. Paul's role is vital. Apollos' role is vital. Each minister, each servant does their role. But look what it says. God does what? He gives the increase. He provides the supernatural. He provides the, he's the one that makes it work, makes it successful. Unless the Lord shows up, guess what? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Only God showing up makes the difference. And you know what? If the Lord uses me to minister something to you, I'm realizing more and more he does a miracle. It is a miracle. Because all the mistakes are mine. Anything good is of him. He's the one who works through the word, by his spirit, in our hearts. And so, verse 7, Paul says, look what he says in verse 7. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives, God who gives the increase. I think that, again, he's saying it a second time. Paul says the guy who plants is not really that big of a deal. He's not that special, nor is the guy who waters. And again, I think we oftentimes tend to take ourselves so seriously in ministry. Or we, again, we improperly elevate ministers to a place they shouldn't be. I mean, there, there definitely needs to be respect for sure. We're to treat others as we want to be treated. Correct? Didn't Jesus say something like that? And, and you know, sometimes we put a guy on a pedestal and he falls and he wipes out. And a lot of times, you know what people say, you know what, he wiped out the faith of all these people. I'm learning more and more. He doesn't wipe out, that doesn't wipe out faith. That just shows us where our faith is, of who we're trusting in. Are we trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ or are we trusting in a man? I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not making light of a pastor that, that wipes out. And pastors and ministers that minister the word of God, we are held to a stricter judgment, stricter standard. It is a privilege, it is an honor, but there's a responsibility in handling the Word of God, and not just handling the Word of God, but being a doer of the Word of God. We don't want to be a Pharisee who tells people what to do and not does it themselves. And so Paul is saying here, listen, it, it, the guy that plants is not really that big of a deal. God is the big deal, isn't, isn't God the big deal? It's all about, he's the special one. And in fact, he says it a second time, without him... It's all in vain. He gives the increase. And so we need to be faithful to do what God has called each one of us to do. Whatever he's called you to do, you're to be faithful. I'm to be faithful to do it. And it's the Lord who provides the increase, the supernatural. We need a work of his spirit, correct? Do we need a work of his spirit? We do. Jesus told a parable in Mark chapter 4, I think it was, where he talked about a guy who, who planted seeds and he slept by night. And he planted these seeds and took care of them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he doesn't know how it happens, but the seeds begin to grow, and then the harvest comes. Why didn't he know where it came from? Because it's the Lord behind the scenes making the stuff grow, making things happen. And as you're faithful, as I'm faithful to do what the Lord has called us to do, we begin to see the growth. And isn't it awesome when the Lord allows us to see the growth in marriages, in lives, in ministries? God is so gracious. It is all about him. He makes it work. Why? Because So people will come to know him. So people will come to know him. It's not a tactic. It's not a, it's not a method or an approach. 
If I'm called to plant, I plant. If I'm called to water, I water. To be faithful to do it, and God shows up, and he works, and he gets the glory. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> takes all the pressure off of us. Just be faithful to do what God has called you to do and called me to do. And so verse 8, look what he says as he goes on here. Now, he who plants and he who waters are, what does your Bible say? Are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. And then Paul goes on to give a personal testimony. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Why? For the day will reveal it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so what is Paul saying here? He's talking about rewards, but look at verse 8 with me. He says, yes, we each have separate roles to play, but we are a team. We are one, correct? Are we a team, you guys? Are we in this thing together? Amen, correct? He says each one of us has separate roles, distinct roles to play. Some water, right? Some plant, whatever your job is. But we are a team. We're in this together. We've, we've taken, we've taken Jesus' yoke upon us together. We put our hands to the plow together, not looking back to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to go his direction he says, you are, we are in this together. We are one, but, look what he says in this verse, verse 8, but we are rewarded separately. We are rewarded individually. And so Paul brings up the subject of rewards, of eternal rewards. Why does he bring it up here, and why does he say it now? Why is he, why is he saying this here? Why is all of a sudden now he's going into this time when we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for our lives, to give an account of what we've been given. Why does he say this right here in this passage? Remember our context. The Corinthians, were they getting along? They're fighting. You know what fighting produces? Does fighting produce anything of eternal value? Zero. In fact, that fight you had with your wife on the way here, you didn't have a fight with your wife, did you, on the way here? That argument you had, is that going to matter in eternity? It's a waste of time, isn't it? Here are the Corinthians fighting. They're arguing. They're divided. And Paul's like, listen, you are wasting time. You're wasting precious energy. You're wasting your resources. You're wasting the grace that God has given you on fighting one another. Get your eyes on eternity. You are going to stand before Jesus Christ. 
and give an account with what you do with your life. And so Paul brings up the subject of rewards. Listen, salvation is not a reward. It is a free gift. It's important to be reminded of that. But God one day will reward his faithful servants. Didn't Jesus talk about rewards? Did he talk about rewards? Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read it real quick. There's a couple remind. Jesus gives us a couple reminders in Luke 6. You can also find him in Luke, or, uh, Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said in Luke 6, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Why? For indeed your reward is great in heaven. Did you catch that? When you're being persecuted, when, when you're getting hassled or harassed for following Jesus, for serving Jesus, what should you do? Next time at the office, someone like, you know, gives you some static, what are you to do? Leap for joy. Yes! All right, thank you. Give, bring, bring it. Bring some more. Because you know what's happening in heaven? Ching, ching, ching. So the rewards the are just stacking up. He, Jesus goes on, Luke 6, 35. He said, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Isn't that beautiful? So there's a reward when you are loving your enemies, doing good, lending, looking for nothing in return. You're pouring out, you're giving, looking for nothing in return. Jesus says, listen, you know what? Your reward will, isn't that a promise from Jesus? Your reward will be great. Jesus talked about giving a a cup of water in his name, correct? Bringing refreshment to someone's life. And you're going to be rewarded. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus spoke a lot about rewards. In fact, the Apostle John also spoke about rewards. But he talked about rewards in the sense of warning us. He warned us. In 2 John, there's only one chapter, 2 John verse 8, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. And so we get rewarded. So back to 1 Corinthians 3, we get rewarded. What does it say? According to our own. Verse 8, what's the last word of the verse? We get rewarded according to our own labor. Your own labor. What you do for Jesus. And by the way, that word labor, it means toiling to the place of fatigue. Intense labor with toil and trouble. Hebrews chapter 6, we're reminded, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Who are the saints, by the way? That's us. We are. The author's like, listen, the Lord is not unjust. He sees what you're doing when you're ministering in his name. And blessing your brothers and sisters in the Lord. In fact, Jesus also reminds us in Revelation 2.2, he reminded the church of Ephesus, I see your labor. 
If, everyone, if no one else sees what you're doing, Jesus says, I see what you are doing. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 10, 7, the laborer is worthy of his hire or, or worthy of his reward is the same word. Jesus said, as, as the book of the Bible closes, Revelation 22, Jesus said, listen to this. He said, and behold, I am coming quickly. You guys believe he's coming quickly? He's <laughs> coming. I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And so God, listen, this is so important. God doesn't reward according to your success. He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't reward according to your effectiveness or how well it goes or your numbers or whatever else. He reward, the results are up to him. Didn't we just read that? He gives the increase. It's, that's his job. My job is simply to be faithful, to labor for him, to serve him, to be faithful in what he's called me to do. You get rewarded because you have faithfully served Jesus Christ. And listen, we're rewarded according to our effort, not our success. And I would throw in there also our motivation of our hearts. Later in 1 Corinthians 13... Paul says if it's without love, it profits how much? Nada. Goose egg. Right? And Jesus also said, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, don't do it to be seen by men. Because if you do it to be seen by men, there is your reward. Right? Because that's what the Pharisees were doing, right? When they would give, they would, you know, sound the, the cowbell or whatever. Ding, 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 check, check us out. You know, we're doing this, we're doing that. Look when we're praying, look when we're fasting. And Jesus says, you got your reward right there, man. But when you do those things for the Lord, don't toot your horn. Don't try to draw attention. Just, we, we do what? We simply serve the Lord. Not looking for the praise of men but doing it because we love our Savior and want him to get the glory and the honor. And so Paul goes on, look at verse 9. He's, he reminds the Corinthians of his role and Apollos' role. He says, we are God's fellow workers. If you have a King Jimmy Bible, it says, laborers together with God. Isn't that amazing? You've thought about that? We get to labor, we get to work with the Lord. It's, listen, it's one thing to work for him. It's a totally different thing to work with him. When we're doing his work, his way, in fact, the last verse of the Gospel of Mark, the disciples went out everywhere. They did what Jesus said. They were preaching, sharing the word, and it says there, the Lord was working with them, confirming the word with accompanying signs and so forth. Isn't that beautiful? It's the Lord who provided the supernatural. The disciples just did what they were called to do. And so God shares his work, his ministry with us. Is that amazing to you? It is to me that God would share his work, his ministry with us. That tells me I should say, Lord, where do you want me to serve you? How do you want me to serve you, Lord? How can I be a help to others? How can I be a blessing to others? How can I serve others? Where would you have me get connected and plugged in? Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I come alongside you in the work that you're doing? Lord, I, I don't want to run out ahead of you and do my own thing. What do you want to do? You think the Lord will answer that prayer, by the way? As you're seeking his face and trusting him, 
and actively waiting upon him. He will direct your steps, the Bible says. And so Paul reminds them also of who they are. Look at the end of the verse. So he says, we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. It almost sounds like, remember when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. My father is the vine dresser, right? The one who does the pruning, takes care of, of, the, of the field or the vineyard. He reminds him, you are God's field, and also you are God's what? You're God's building. We read that in Ephesians, right? That we are being built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and the apostles, all those saints that have gone on before us. We are being, Peter says we're being fitted together as what kind of stones? Living stones are being fitted together, right, in, in this temple in order to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Together as a, as a building, as we're being fitted together, the Lord is doing an awesome work. And Paul reminds him, here's how I built, verse 10. Here's how I labored. Here's how I built. Number one, I did it by the grace of God. Is that what he says? According to the grace given to me, God's grace, his kindness, his goodness given to you and I, is it deserved? Is it earned? It wouldn't be grace. His kindness, his goodness. Is this grace sufficient? Do you guys believe that this morning? Paul, Paul, when Jesus spoke to Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. But we don't like to admit we're weak. It's like, Lord, I need you. Apart from you, I can do nothing of any spiritual, eternal, lasting value. Lord, I need you. I need a fresh work of your spirit, God. And so he says, this is, how God, this is how I built. Number one, by God's grace, his supply, layer upon layer of grace. Do you know that God gives us grace to build, by the way? Do you know that God gives us grace to serve him, you guys? I'm bringing this up because sometimes people say, okay, pastor, I'm hearing you. I need to get involved. I need to get plugged in. I need to serve. And, and I'm not hearing you. I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit because that's what the Word of God is saying. I need to get involved, but I'm chicken. I'm scared. I don't know if I got what it takes. I don't know if I have the credentials. Listen, do you have a pulse? Are you sucking air? Do you have the Holy Spirit? God will give you everything you need to be successful in what he's called you to do if you look to his grace, you look to his sufficiency. He is faithful. He will add the increase. He will add what you need. He's given a, he's, Paul's going to remind the church later, he's given you guys giftings and callings to use for the glory of God. In fact, Paul says, I went about it as a wise master builder. The word in Greek, we get the word architect. What is an ar- think about what does an architect do? An architect is involved in what? The shaping of the building. He's involved with the owner and the builders also. And Paul says, as a wise master builder, as an architect, I have laid the foundation. Who is the foundation? Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. In fact, Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. And Paul says, listen, the work must continue to be built upon Jesus. Not only does Jesus build, but he allows us to be a part of the building process. Look what it says. Another, look what it says in verse 10. Another builds, I have laid the foundation, and another builds 
on it. And listen, there's been a long line of builders, hasn't there? Hasn't there been a long line of faithful builders? You read through the book of Acts, you study church history. There's been, that's why we're sitting here today, by the way. That's why you're saved, man. That's why I'm saved. There have been some faithful builders that have continued to do what God has called them to do. And if we want to see the next generation come to know Jesus Christ and to serve him and to walk with him, then we too need to be faithful builders. In fact, look at the warning he gives. He says, take heed, right? He says, take heed, let each one, that means each one of us, take heed how, I have that that word underlined, how he builds on it. What does take heed mean? What does take heed mean? Be careful. Be observant. Be watchful. Listen, this morning, every one of us, every one of us is building. Did you know that? You guys still with me this morning? Look, I'm seeing some glazed over eyes. Do you... This is like super important. Every one of us is building this morning. Jesus said there's only two builders in life. End of the Sermon on the Mount. You guys remember what he said? There's the wise builder and the foolish builder. The wise builder hears Jesus' words and does it, does them. And Jesus said, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on the rock. And when the storms came and the winds blew and the water came up, it didn't wipe out that house. That house stood the test. And listen, we all face storms, do we not? Storms are inevitable in life. Are you with me? Both houses got storms hit. Jesus didn't say there's one house that's exempt, one builder. And listen, the final storm you and I will face is death. That's that's coming, baby. It's coming. The awesome thing is we have the answer in the face of death, and that's Jesus Christ, crucified and risen and living in my heart and in your heart. Jesus said there's also the foolish builder who heard the word and didn't do it. And the storm came, and the winds blew, and the water rose, and what happened? Wiped out. Someone sneezed when I said that first service. It was like right on time. That was awesome. I was waiting to see if it would happen again. <laughs> Are you building on the correct foundation? Jesus Christ, his word, doing it. But listen, we have to stay on task, you guys. It's all about Jesus. How are you building this morning? Are you doing what you're doing motivated by love for Jesus, being faithful to do what he's called you to do? Again, Paul challenges us here with what we do with our lives. God has something for each one of us to do to impact, to make an impact in the church, to make an impact in other people's lives. Each, each member of the body, each one of us, has a role to play, to be faithful to our calling. And you need to find out, listen, I love you, you need to find out what God has called you to do, you're supposed to be doing, and do it. And to get plugged in, to get involved in, 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 in God's work. Listen, listen, you will not have a second chance once you take your last breath. To invest. To, Jesus had store up your treasures where? In heaven. Where moths can't get to it and rust doesn't cause it to, to, to get gnarly. And thieves can't get in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you investing in the right kingdom? 
If you're investing in the kingdom of this world, listen, one day it's all going to wipe out. But if you're investing eternally, Jesus says, God's word says, you will be rewarded, and God gives each one of us the grace to build. Look at verse 11. You need to pay attention to the foundation. Make sure you're connected to the foundation. Who's the foundation? Jesus. Whatever you do with with your life, with your time, your talents, your treasures, it has to be all about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus, correct? It's all about him. My life is to be all about him, to get to know him, to see what he has to say about everything, to follow his leading, to spend time with him, to make sure what I'm doing is connected with him. And by the way, that's a full-time job. That is a full-time job. And that's why I invest in our church, in this precious group of believers, because God is doing awesome stuff unbelievable stuff in this place. Lives have been changed and are changing radically to the glory of God. And when I'm gone, listen, God will still be at work. God will still be at work in this place. Not only in this church, we see our missionaries, the churches that are being planted. God is doing an awesome, awesome work, and he's allowing us the privilege to be a part of his work. We do the Lord's work the Lord's way in his name, and what happens? He gives the increase. He provides the supernatural. And so we've got to make sure what we're doing is of lasting value because look at verse 12. We're all going to stand before this judgment seat of Christ. By the way, this is not the great white throne judgment. Where do we see the great white throne judgment? Revelation chapter, you guys remember? Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment is the judgment for those that reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they will be sentenced to the lake of fire for all eternity. But as believers, we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. If you're taking notes, Romans 14, it's a couple pages to your left. Romans 14, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. Listen to what he said, gang. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, let, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And then in 2 Corinthians, if you're taking notes, I think it's chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. It says, um, for we must all appear, this is verse 10, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so it's also called the Bema Seat Judgment. It's, it's an Olympic, it's an ancient Olympic Games term where the, where the judge would sit and those that were, that were victorious in the games, they get their wreaths or their whatever, their trophies. And so that's the idea here, is getting our rewards. Each one of us will stand before Jesus, and our work will be tested. What does it say? How is it tested by what? By fire. And I don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to roll out. I don't know if we have like a shopping cart full of works, and the fire comes and burns away all the stuff or what it looks like. But our works will be tested on that day when we stand before Jesus, and it will be revealed whether they were gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Wouldn't that be a bummer to stand before the Lord and everything went up in a pinch of ash? 
Everything you invest, everything you invested your life in. And Paul is wanting the church to realize, listen, you are invest the investment you're making in these divisions and fighting, you're wasting time. You're wasting your time, your talents, your treasures on things that won't last. And notice what it says in verse 14 and 15. If your work survives the fire, then you'll get what? What does it say? You'll get a reward. If not, you get no reward. You're still saved. You're going to enter in with a smoking robe, is the idea. Is that what it says? You'll, he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Your robe will be a little toasty, I think. Or my robe. Hopefully not. So you'll get rewarded for the things of eternal value. The rest just disappears. And so the question is this morning, are you doing anything that will last? Am I doing anything that will last? Is there anything eternal that you and I are investing in this morning? Are you using what you got, what the Lord has given you for his glory, for his kingdom? Are you accumulating wood, hay, and stubble? Or are you accumulating gold, silver, precious stuff? And so... Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 27, don't labor for that which perishes, the food which perishes, but to labor for that, for that which is eternal. And so what you do or what I do after you're saved, what you build, what you contribute, utilizing what God gave you, you will give an answer for it. And so what are you laboring for? And Paul gives a reminder. We have two verses and we're done this morning. We're not going to finish the chapter. He gives a reminder and a warning. And he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Wow. For the temple of God is holy which temple you are. Wow, that's a pretty heavy, isn't that heavy? That's serious. We need this though, don't we? We need to be reminded here. So Paul reminds the church, you are not only God's field. He reminds us, you're not only God's field, you're God's building, but you are also God's temple. And by the way, that word you it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That word you is plural. It's kind of like y'all. Are you with me? Like, I never knew there was a plural to y'all, all y'all. That's, that's the, the, the Greek tensor for you, you all. He's speaking corporately because later he's going to say individually, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Correct. Chapter 6, verse 19, I think. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So not only individually, everywhere you go. So think about that. Everywhere you go, brother or sister, there goes the temple. There goes the Holy of Holies. Together, as the family of God, as the church, this is the Holy of Holies. His presence is right here with us. And that's amazing to consider, isn't it, this morning? The Holy Spirit dwells here with us. 
That's an awesome thing to consider. And Paul gives a heavy, heavy warning. If you defile, if anyone defiles, and by the way, that word defile, and we also see destroy, that's the same word in the Greek. If anyone defiles the temple of God or destroys, and here's what that word means, defile, it means to perish, to waste away, to shrivel, to wither, to corrupt, to break down or to tear down or to destroy. So that's heavy. If you are causing God's temple to be torn down, broken down, to cause it to waste away, to bring some sort of destruction to God's temple, what does it say God will do? God will destroy you. In other words, you will reap what you sow. You are inviting God's discipline into your life. Listen, God doesn't call any of us to be in demo. To, in church demolition. But you know what? Some people are into demo. They want to tear down and criticize. Listen, I've done it before. This is a, for me, this is a sobering passage to realize, oh, wow, Lord, forgive me. They too are part of the temple of God. I don't want to tear that person down, that ministry down. There's plenty of people that tear ministries down and people down. And as, listen, we, we were given, what did he say? We've been given grace to build, not grace to tear down. Grace to build up the body. You see something wacky? Pray for that person. Pray for that church, that movement. That they would get the ship righted. Why? God's temple is sacred. That's what holy means. Set apart. Special. Which temple you are. Our church, his church, is holy, sacred, special. You know what this tells me? God protects his temple. The holy place where God dwells is special. Listen, this morning, as we're out of time, you are part of something special. What you're working on, listen, what you're working on as you're serving the Lord, it is sacred. It is holy. It is special. That person next to you, Across the aisle, guess what? They're special. They are sacred too. I think God, I think Paul, God through Paul is giving us proper and needed perspective. Two warnings this morning. Be careful of how you are building and also be careful if you're tearing down. Isn't that simple? Be careful how you're building but be careful if you're tearing down. Let me, let me leave you with this. Each of us has been given grace to build. Each one of us. Make sure you are connected to Jesus. Be a part of what God is doing. Take a look at your life. What have you done so far that will last? Listen, seriously. Take a look at your life. What have you done that will last? If you're saying, you know what? Not much, but it's not too late to make an adjustment. Are you with me? Somebody going, I'm, I'm getting up there. I, Moses started at 80. And what did God give him? God gave him grace, didn't he? The whole, all the way till he was 120. His natural, in the King James, his natural forces abated not. God gave him what he needed.
to be successful in what he called him to do. Listen this morning, if you are serving the Lord, is it going to last? Is it going to last? Are you doing it for him, for the Savior, to bring honor and glory to him? Because we want to hear those words, don't we? Don't we? Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. Thank you for the weight of this passage. Lord, we needed it. God, thank you so much for your grace that you've given us. May we take the grace that you've given us and just max out, Lord, everything in our lives to serve you. To not look back. To make those investments that will truly count for all eternity. So often we get our eyes off of eternity, off of heaven. The place where we are to set our minds, to set our minds on things above, to seek the things which are above, as your word says, as you tell us. Forgive us for that, Lord. Thank you for speaking to our hearts that we are in need of making adjustments, that we are in desperate need of you. Thank you that you give the increase. Forgive us for trying to make the increase happen in our own worldly wisdom, our own strength. We love to see you work, and we thank you for your work. Would you work in this place this morning, Lord Jesus? Work in our hearts. As we are still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as we finish our Bible study, perhaps you've been listening and you realize that your life has been off course, maybe even your service unto the Lord. Perhaps you've been drifting away from where you need to be. It's not an accident you're here this morning. Maybe you've been just so mindful of the things of man. And the Lord has got your attention. He's got your heart back again. Maybe there's even areas of your life that you once committed to him that you've taken back. The Lord is saying, you know what, let's, let's, let's do this together. You've been going your own way. You're striving, trying to make things happen in your own strength, your own power. You've been listening this morning and you need prayer. I want to pray for you right now. You just slip up your hand. Can I pray for you? God bless you. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you, sister. I see your hand. So sweet. Anyone else this morning? The Lord is working in your heart. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? You need prayer this morning. God bless you. I see your hand. So sweet. God is so good. He's so patient, so long-suffering with us. Hey, don't let pride hold you back. I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. 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 
So great. Lord is so good. Anyone else this morning? I'm going to pray for you right now. See your hand. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. Father, I thank you so much for my precious brothers and sisters. and Thank you that you are the God who sees. You know each and every one of my brothers and sisters, their lives, the circumstances, the challenges, the things that are going on. And I pray today, Lord, would... would Mark a new chapter, a new season in their lives. That as your word says, that we would lay aside every weight. The sin that so easily slows us down. Maybe even unnecessary weights, unnecessary stuff. running with endurance, looking unto you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that that this morning their eyes would be affixed upon you. And Lord, you would meet them right there in a special way. As your word says, you give the increase. You've called us unto yourself. We've come to you, Lord, to be filled up, to learn from you, to drink of you. And God, I pray as my brothers and sisters have done that this morning, as you've spoken to their hearts, that that even now, Lord, as they're in this place of prayer, that you would begin to hear the melody in their hearts, that truly rivers of living water would flow from their innermost being, that they would run and not grow weary. Those, Lord, that perhaps are fearful that they would take a step of faith, trusting in you, seeing you work, meeting them right there. Thank you so much for the great things you're going to do. You're a great God. Thank you for your great grace upon us, upon your church. Lord, I pray for any of those that are are struggling right now. You tell us, Lord, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed, that you'd bring freedom. Strength, that your grace is sufficient, Lord, thank you. That you'd even, Lord, heal those marriages, those lives that were once fruitful, that the word has been choked out, that... Lord, that they would open their hearts to you, to your word, to receive your implanted word with meekness, to bear fruit some 30, 60, 100 fold. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer, maybe you've been listening and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. And the Lord is reaching out to you right now. He loves you so much. He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross. For your sins, he suffered. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day. And he offers forgiveness and life to you right now. 
He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that you this morning? And you're saying, yeah, pastor, that's me. I, I want to open my heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. Right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to stand up and you come down front right here with me. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So if that's you, would you stand up and come down front? Let me pray with you. As you open your heart to Jesus, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's concerning your eternity. Don't let anything hold you back this morning. If that's you, you stand up, you come down front, we'll pray together. Anyone at all this morning? Father, we thank you so much for this amazing family, your field, your building, your temple. What an amazing thing to consider that we belong to you. We are yours. I am my beloved's and he is mine. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for first loving us. We commit the rest of this day to you now. We thank you for the great things you're going to do. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.